Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this Forbes feature HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent Forbes video, Melinda Gates, on the need to have more women in positions of power. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this Forbes feature HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring the recent Forbes video, Melinda Gates, on the need to have more women in positions of power. We all know Melinda Gates as a philanthropist, a businesswoman, and a global advocate for women and girls. And of course, she's the co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. In this brief video, she's interviewed by Forbes and talks about what she sees as the necessary path forward in order to start moving the needle in relation to women and gender equity in the workplace, particularly in relation to women having positions of leadership and power within organizations. Also, you just to let you know, you may hear some geese in the background. I hope you all had a great Easter weekend. I'm at a cabin by a lake with my family, and I'm recording this episode while sitting out, uh, looking out at the lake with ice across it and a lot of really noisy geese. Uh, But I think it's quite charming. So hopefully you will enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. This year has created this moment where trends obviously have, that would have taken years to move forward, have accelerated. You talk about the need to, to have more women in positions of power. When we think about the urgent need to tackle some of these issues, uh, juxtaposed with sometimes the timeline it can take to put more women into positions of power, the pipelines to really grow to maturity, how do you think about um, what what we can be doing in both the public and private sector right now, or how us as individuals can be pushing this agenda forward in, in a more rapid way so that we can start to see these changes manifest themselves in a way that allows us for a faster recovery? Right. I think so often we've talked about these pipelines and these leaky pipelines But honestly, we use that as an excuse. (laughs) We need to talk about pathways. There are lots of different ways to come into an industry. It's not just one way. And I'll give you one example, tech. I think we should all care a lot about tech. It is pervasive in our society. I just saw you on your cell phone texting right before we got on this, right? We all use tech. But we need to give women pathways in. Today, the number of computer science graduates has gone down since the time I was in college. And it's because it's not a very welcoming place to go into technology. And yet we know if you have that first freshman class done right at college, 
more women will go into it and more women will persist and stay. If you give women opportunities for great internships early on and they get used to the tech industry and they say, wow, it's more creative than I thought. It's not just about zeros and ones. Then they stay in the tech industry. But there are a whole host of things we need to do in industry after industry to break down the barriers and to create multiple pathways in for women and, and people of color, quite frankly, as well. I really like in this first clip how she focuses on reframing the question. The interviewer starts out by talking about pipelines, leadership pipelines for women in the workplace. And there's reference to the leaky pipeline and how there's so many different reasons why women may leave uh, along that, that, that path uh, to take on future leadership roles within organizations. So she asks Melinda what we can do about it. And immediately she reframes the question. She says, it's not really about pipelines. It's not about creating more pipelines uh, in having those reach maturity. In fact, she says the pipeline argument is really a red herring. And in fact, many organizations use it as an excuse uh, for why they don't have more women in positions of responsible positions of power and leadership. And she reframes it. She says, no, we, we can't just think about pipelines and then make excuses for why women leave the pipeline ways. And we have to understand that there is more than one set way that a woman could find themselves in moving into leadership positions and positions of power within an organization. You don't have to go up through the traditional pipeline that an industry may have established. And she gives the example of the tech industry uh, specifically. Uh, but I think we can see how this would apply across different industries. And I really appreciate her point, and I think it's spot on. Absolutely, we need to have pathways. Uh, one of my biggest frustrations, and this isn't even re in relation to gender equity issues, but just generally speaking, for all employees and employers, it's really quite stupid the way uh, companies and the way leaders often look at moving people up and promoting or giving people opportunities from outside the organization to take on increasingly more complex and responsible roles. And there's so much time and energy focused on these pipelines that often focus on, quite frankly, the wrong things, things that don't really matter. Uh, what really matters in today's uh, globalized marketplace, uh, hyper-competitive marketplace, is you need people with transferable skills who are agile, who who can collaborate and are good communicators. And there's all these, these skills that are necessary. And it doesn't really matter if you came up through the pipeline in the tech industry. It doesn't really matter what you were doing before. If you have the skills, it doesn't matter if you have 10 years of experience or you have two years of experience, if it's good experience and you have the skills. And that's really what she's arguing for, is let's not get caught up in kind of our old assumptions about career progression. And let's look for people who actually have the capabilities to be successful in a particular role. And if we take that approach, generally how we uh, try to staff our organization and promote people and even provide opportunities to promote uh, within and give people career development opportunities, if we do that for everyone, it's, it's going to help women as well. And in fact, it'll disproportionately help women who have been marginalized and, and had to deal with inequity issues for a long time because they tend to take the burden of the home care, the child care, the elder care, all those sorts of things because of societal norms and expectations. And so you think about all these reasons why women may leave the traditional pipeline. 
well, get rid of the pipeline. Uh, you don't even have to get rid of it, but stop thinking that the pipeline is the answer. Having multiple pathways so women with the capabilities can leave and have a child and then come back to their career without having it blown up and having to start from scratch. Uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, and there's so many things like that that we need to consider as organizational leaders. Uh, Melinda is spot on on this. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. How do you think, you know, when you talk about what industries need to do, there's no silver bullet solution um, and each industry has its own nuances and sets of challenges or opportunities to, to address these issues. How do you think industry leaders need to start thinking differently about um, these pathways? This year obviously has brought these conversations to the forefront. We've seen um, people taking a lot more steps and, and the public asking for more accountability to, to move the needle forward. But how do you think those in positions of power need to be thinking about this differently or prioritizing it on their agenda as we move into the new year? Well, I would say this. <laughs> What gets measured is what gets done. So if you're the CEO of a company, you can set it as an expectation for your employees and for your senior leaders and your senior managers to say, we are going to move the needle on this. Have transparency about how many women and people of color you have at all levels. Look at it repeatedly, measure it, go back to it, look at the progress and hold your managers accountable. They can do this. We see it in company after company that once it's committed to, and it's committed to on a shorter time frame, not you know 30 years from now, but in the next five years, then companies start to figure this out. And uh, what I know is it is actually doable. We just have to commit to it. So how do we move the needle? It always comes back to accountability. Again, I think she's spot on on this one. Because, again, we, we make so many excuses in organizations for why we have inequities, uh, whether it's gender equity issues or racial ethnic equity issues or whatever the problem may be. We make excuses all the time. And then we say what we want, but we don't hold people accountable. What you measure gets paid attention to. And so if I'm a CEO or I'm an executive or I'm a manager, I need to hold my people accountable for 
what they do in their own units, in their own teams. And if gen gender equity is important, uh, just in general, in terms of uh, hiring practices and in terms of leadership positions, then certainly I need to hold my executives and my upper management uh, individuals responsible for those. Uh, I need to clearly set those expectations. I need to hold them accountable for them. And if they're not moving the needle, they're not paying attention to it and coming back to it again and again, then clearly they're not doing something that's very important, an important part of their job, just like any other KPI that might be out there uh, that we have them focus on. What happens all too often in organizations is we say that we want uh, inclusion, diversity, we want belonging, we want gender equity issue, you know, those sorts of things. We make those comments, but then we just get caught up in the daily grind of running the business and we fall back into old patterns and old assumptions and we end up perpetuating those same patterns and the, the systems in the organization that in fact we need to actively dismantle to allow for more equal and equitable opportunity across the board. Certainly this applies to gender equity issues and it certainly applies to women uh, rising in the ranks of organizations and having leadership opportunities and the opportunity to have more responsible uh, and powerful positions. There's no question that women are every bit as capable as men and uh, it's been really interesting even during this pandemic to look at those nations that have responded most uh, positively and in the most healthy way, both both physical health but also the emotional uh, and social health of their their citizens. Those countries that have done the best job have all been led by women, and I, I'm not sure that's uh, that's an accident. I, I'm not sure that's an anomaly. Uh, I think uh, women are so capable, and perhaps this sounds just silly coming from you know a middle-aged white dude um, to be saying this, but I really do mean it. Uh, we need to pay attention to this. There's no more excuses. Uh, if, if we think this matters, then we need to make it happen within our organizations, and we can't just fall back on the same old tired excuses, and we can't, uh, we can't give our people, our, our leaders, a pass for not promoting more gender equity within their areas. I really appreciate Melinda and her insights in this video, short as they are, to the point, and we would all do well to very carefully consider what she's saying here about creating pathways for more um, opportunities for leadership and power positions within organizations and accountability. Obviously, pathways and accountability are important regardless of, of whether we're talking about gender issues or not, uh, but certainly it, it is in that context. I hope you'll consider her points. I hope you'll carefully think about what you can do in your own organ organizations, what you can do yourself, but also what you can do with your people and holding them accountable. And I think we can start to see things move in a positive direction if we can just continue to pay attention to this. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As always, I hope you stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches 
to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.